Although, I've seen some scripts, I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here, or you want to ruin another take, huh? Do you know that I've even had producers recut my movies? I hate when it happens. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. It's too cerebral! We're trying to make a movie here, not a film! You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Damn, this fool's been Asian, huh? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness Chatcast. I am your host, Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork, and joining me today is... Lisa Gullickson, the Wife Dork. Hey, Lisa, how you doing? I am so good. How are you, Brad? I'm great. Uh, This is a momentous episode. I am so excited to get into Paddleton, one of our favorite films from Sundance this year. I like that we're releasing these Sundance episodes one at a time. weeks at a time because it makes Sundance feel like it's not quite over. Yeah, I'm not ready for Sundance to be over. And we're going to keep forcing it down your throats, listeners. I hope (laughs) you enjoy. Uh, Paddleton in particular, you know, I'm not not lying to you. I'm not blowing smoke, was one of our favorite films of the festival. And what's great is that right now you can go to Netflix and watch the film today, this second. You can actually press pause on this episode – Go watch Paddleton and then come back and hear these amazing conversations. Because who do we got, Lisa? We've got Alex Lehman, the director. Mm-hmm. We've got Ray Romano. Mm, yeah. And Mark Duplass. Not Mark the Duplass. Two stars. Yeah. That's, yeah. This is this is really exciting. Ray Romano's on ItMod. That's nuts. That's crazy. Everybody loves Raymond, and now everybody loves ItMod. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. The sitcom has to wait. I'm putting it out into the universe. It's the secret. Oh, it's on your vision board? Yep. Okay, so Lisa, why did you love Paddleton so much? I loved Paddleton because the tone of it is so unexpected. It's about two best friends in the whole wide world. They met as neighbors. They have become a daily part of each other's lives. And They just have this super intimate relationship. And then when one of them falls ill, Mark Duplass's character gets stomach cancer, they they end up in this kind of familial bond that is beyond the regular neighborly experience. Well, I think it is really a platonic romantic comedy. It's a love story. Yeah, it's a love story. And, you know, platonic love has been addressed in films in the past, usually in an extremely comedic way, something like Step Brothers with uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. But the, Paddleton's not that. I feel like Paddleton addresses platonic love in the most genuine way possible. And it's a relationship I really have not seen before in cinema. Absolutely. So many movies are all about who's going to get the girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's great about this movie is, yes, okay, it's a cancer film. I know some people immediately check out when they hear that a, a movie is going to deal with cancer and it's going to go to some dark places. And Paddleton goes to some real places mm-hmm. with its plot. But it's also incredibly funny. And that's due to the chemistry between Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. They're hilarious together. I laughed through the whole movie. Their their quips are surprising. They're vital because of the kind of mumblecore improv style of their performances. But you're crying the whole time, too. It's just like I started crying like a third into this movie and I did not quit 
until well after the movie was over. And I loved every minute of it. It was such a pure emotion, such a cathartic emotion. And it really helps you appreciate all of the directions you're receiving love in your life. You, It really encourages you not to take any relationship for granted. Yeah, absolutely. And it was such a delight to be able to watch this with you. Yeah. And... You know, you're not wrong. You were crying uh, for the majority <laughs> I would not of the film. Lie. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on the sadness and the crying and, and the cancer. I want to really it's focus. Hope, it's a hopeful movie yes. about two dudes completing each other in a completely asexual way. Yeah, and if you're a kung fu movie fan, hell yes, there are some wonderful tributes and celebrations to that genre in Paddleton because it is something that the two friends share. It's a love that connects them. It's their them. dorkdom. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um I think we've I think we've set up Paddleton. Please, we're not going to spoil too much about the film in these conversations, but I really do encourage you to go to Netflix and watch it now. You will not be disappointed. You'll appreciate the conversation more too. And we are going to talk about the fact that this film, Alex Lehman and uh, Mark Duplass, they wrote it as an outline, but the majority of the film is improv. The actors may know what they're where, where they need to go from plot A to B, but when they walk before that camera, they don't necessarily know what they're going to say, or at least they don't know what the other person's going to say and how they're going to react to it. Right, and so they're very immersed in their characters. Yeah, it's it's something that I don't think many artists could pull off, but of course, the Duplass brothers master in this sort of improv storytelling, and I think Paddleton's one of their greatest works. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. All right. So let's let's get into it. We had this conversation in a tiny little office cubicle in a hotel on Main Street. And, you know, as such, we recorded it on our phones. The audio quality is maybe not as good as what you're hearing right now. But uh, just turn your volume up a little bit. It's well worth it. Don't run away from us. We're still getting these kinks out as far as getting the recording done up to our usual standards when we're on the road. And it's only going to get better, guys. Yeah. Our recording style is kinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I sound offensive, Lisa? No. A little little bit? Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. Okay. uh, On that note, uh, we are talking to Alex Lehman right now. Three, two, one. Alex, take it away. Well, I'm feeling <laughs> feeling very vulnerable right now because I love the movie so much that I just want to sit here and tell you about myself, which seems wrong. Yeah, no, lie down on the couch. We can do there this. You Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I might I might still be crying. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, when the film ended, we just turned to each other. We were both had like, tears in our eyes. <laughs> A mess. So it was A mess. profoundly moving. Um, But what I loved about the movie, just to start your discussion off, is the fact that it's a story about platonic love, not in lieu of romantic love or any kind of like constellation price, but their love is really the the real deal. Yeah. Um, So what did that concept look like in the creative process? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and just... Going off of what you said, this is a story about people who, a couple strange guys, I mean, that are a little quirky, they're misfits. Um, And so the love of having someone that understands, that gets you, especially when, like, most of the world doesn't get you at all, and you're completely isolated, that's, that, you know, that's total romance. So to me, creating 
um, these two characters that could be strange enough and uh, feeling completely uh, out of place in most of the world, but completely understand each other and find things to bond on. That was kind of, you know, the heart of it. Because then when you take that away from them, it sucks. <laughs> but but create, like, how how did this become your next story? Like, with you and Duplass and... Like, Okay, so the funny story version, and it's the true version, um, is at the, there was a, we were doing a, a screening of Blue Jay, and I, you know, introduced it, and I'd, you know, so I hopped into a movie theater, you know, tried to catch another movie, didn't pay for the ticket. Mm. But uh, came back for the Q&A, and right before the Q&A, Mark looks at me, he's like, hey, well, you know, what'd you see? Like, did you like it? It's like, I don't know, it was like a lot of gory, gratuitous death, and man, that just makes me really appreciative that, like, we didn't have to kill anyone in the movie, we didn't have to deal with any death, like, it was just, it was just, he loves, and he just looks at me, he's like, dude, so what you gotta do next, you gotta, you gotta deal with death, you gotta kill someone. So I decided to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, there's, um, there's almost a subgenre of, like, cancer movies. Yeah. So when, I see what you're, what the film is, I read the blurb, and I go, I don't necessarily love this idea. So I feel like that's a, kind of a burden to overcome in some ways. Sure, why would these assholes put this thing out there? Yeah. Like, why would you put cancer out in the world when it already exists in the world? Sure, and, but also finding, using that as this, this final bond between these two people so they can finally get to, right. you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but what they get to be able to say at the end of the movie. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I guess... I mean, you know, you you go, okay, I want to kill Duplass in my next film. <laughs> Why this method? Um, because it's, because, it, you know, I, I would say, you know, you know, we can talk about it as a cancer movie, but it's not. I mean, it's, a, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a love story. It's, uh, and it's about letting go. And I think that, um, the, the facing some, facing a fate that you can't, you can't overturn. And then to still have to, actively make a choice puts the burden of letting go it just exponentially you know it, it the the burden and the choice grow exponentially when it's you know when it's in your hands like that even though it's inevitable um and so it forces the character to let go of the one thing he wants just a little bit sooner and a little bit more uh decidedly than than you know uh crossing the street and getting hit by a car. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, you know, I would say it's about that. But it was always just about building this special relationship and then, you know, forcing it to, to go away in a way that we could appreciate what it meant, mm -hmm. and that they could appreciate what it meant, yeah. I really um, appreciated the dynamicness of Ray Romano's character because he starts out the movie as a person with a lot of limitations and a lot of rules and yeah. a, a lot of anxiety about how he's, he expects to be treated mm -hmm. and how he expects to interact with the world. Um, so what was it like working with Ray Romano and, and building that character? Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we understood what that dynamic needed. We, ne we knew that we needed to create um, that loneliness and that, that sense of isolation. And he sent he sent this really great email in prep that was like this crazy long and beautiful backstory to his character. Stuff that we knew we were never going to be able to include. But you just, you read it and you're like, I get it. 
I get I get why that happened to him as a kid, and then that happened, and then he got this job, and then this, and then his parents, and this, and this, and this, and that's exactly why he's right here right now. And we don't even need to use any of that stuff uh, as far as like actually sharing it with the audience, but that completely brings this character to life, and it motivates every decision that we make moving forward. Do you know that he's going to bring this to you? Like, or did he just show up with his backstory? Um, what happened in prep while we were still developing the... I mean, not even a script, right? I mean, you guys, I don't know if we yeah, touch yeah, on that. Sure. It was not a full script. It was a, it was a treatment that we expanded over sessions of, you know, Mark and Ray and I sitting down and just kind of throwing out ideas and talking about what the scenes meant to us and every now and then coming up with a gag or something and building out the, the story from there. I'm fascinated by how, you know, your, your films have worked, how the Duplass brothers bring their films to fruition. Uh, it seems also really terrifying because you're collaborating <laughs> with people and you're like okay I want Ray I'm, I'm Mark's coming into the film he has he's building his own backstory but what if you don't dig on that backstory um yeah I mean if I think if, if I, on Ray's backstory yeah, you're saying yeah I mean if it didn't make sense I think that's a conversation we could have uh it would be that would be scary because then it would feel like maybe we're not right. in the same movie but you were um, comfortable that that wasn't going to be the case um, well, I mean, again, he brought it to us, yeah. you know, certainly a month or two before we started shooting. Um, but, you know, it felt, even the first time the three of us sat down and started talking about it, it felt like we were on the same page. And honestly, like Ray and kind of, you know, his comedy, even, even his sitcom character and how he deals or isn't able to deal with, you know, emotions and situations, his avoidance uh, is, was, was Andy in a lot of ways. And we saw what he did in Big Sick and we're like, okay. We're pretty sure that what the package he's bringing is right, anyways. So, I would have been pretty surprised. Um, it felt like the perfect casting. Um, mm -hmm. I felt very lucky to have him. But uh, sure, I guess, I guess if he came out with some like, crazy <laughs> backstory of like, yeah, the dude's a circus clown and uh, he's actually, you know, he goes to strip clubs on the weekends. I'd be like, okay, I. <laughs> Rewrite. <laughs> Page one rewrite. But it seems to me like this this process is just so more permissibly collaborative, where you're not going in and going, well, this is my movie and this is my voice. and Yeah, 100%. No, you need... Yeah, we, we all brought so much to, to the table and just kind of like, you know, the form was, was, you know, we were constantly molding it. And then even in the shooting, there was tons and tons of improv. We were never going off of hard scripts, even a couple scenes that, that were scripted out. It was like, I. We needed to kind of script it out just to make sure as filmmakers that we were confident that we knew what the scene was. Now let's forget all the words and let's try some stuff. And now we got an extra like 20 minutes. Let's explore some stuff. Let's throw some jokes out. Let's, you know, come up with some new jokes. Let's uh, explore maybe an emotional tangent and see if that works. That's all stuff that you get to do when you shoot simply, right? Like we're not like doing crazy crane shots and everything. Right. We're, we're spending all of our money and our time on, on the faces and as much cross coverage as possible and, you know, getting all the options, which in post means you're dealing with a ton. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about is, you know, stitching that all together. You know, you're, you're, it's like in editing, you're writing another screenplay again, suddenly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you worked with Chris Donlin on that. that what was that like? Chris Donlin's the shit. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know his name, so I assume you guys are fans of yeah. uh, a lot of his work. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously done traditional editing, and he's done a lot of Duplass editing as well. No, Chris is a, is a wonderful guy. Um, but it wasn't just Chris. You know, I would, I would give a lot of credit to the producers, you know, Mel Eslin, uh, uh, Elena Carruthers, and Sean Bradley. They were, you know, they're all, they're all there to really 
help uh, you know as sounding boards and, and creative input to really make sure that we do mold it the right way. Especially when, like, my version, I think, would have been, like, eight hours long. <laughs> I'm in love with these characters. Mm -hmm. I created these characters. I don't want them to die. Let's make the movie eight, eight hours long and end it right. Now, do it 24, 24 style and just do an hour an episode. Oh, that's great. Real time. We would watch it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Is, like, watching the movie, because you're falling in love with these characters, and, like, you know it's, it's building to something. Mm -hmm. So I feel like... Getting that edit right, getting the, the time you have. I mean, it's a pretty quick movie. I mean, it moves. Mm -hmm. um, so in that editing process, you know, what's your comfort level at the beginning of it, the middle of it? Like, when do you know you go, okay, I've, I've got this movie? Or do you already figure you have it? Um, there are scary moments yeah. in the middle, for sure, where, um, you know, you don't, you don't quite know... Um, but that's where you trust the, the really smart filmmakers that you bring in to watch it and give you, you know, their feedback. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, any movie that you've filmed that you've, you know, worked with for so long, like, you don't have that same perspective. You can't step back. Or at least it takes a while to step back. But especially something like this where, yeah, you really can go in so many directions. It's, uh, yeah, it's about getting smart filmmakers who can tell you, um, I'm not vibing with these characters until X. And then we go, well, shit, then I guess we need to get it. Mm -hmm. a lot to X a lot quicker mm -hmm. or like um, as much as you know that other um, you know lead up to the ending um, is artistic and great it just doesn't make me feel satisfied as a person so it's a good film but it makes me um, mad at the filmmakers and I go okay great so we'll just kind of give you a little bit more of this because finding that non-saccharine but non-melancholic tone at the end is you know Nearly impossible. It feels hard, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But clearly not impossible, because it was wonderful. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> did you get to shoot more or less chronologically? Uh, yeah, we did get to shoot more or less chronologically. There were a couple scenes that we couldn't, but um, it helps, obviously, with the improv, because then you can chase story. Right. Uh, similar to, to documentaries, where you, you know, kind of, like, get to see stuff happen, you know, uh, unfold in front of your eyes. So, as much as possible, we do that. Yeah. Is Was there a... Uh, a moment in the story that you were the most concerned about nailing, like once I get this scene done, like the film comes together. Um, uh, the last day of shooting. Yeah. <laughs> last yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. I mean, I guess clearly, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Smart ass answer. No, uh, uh, you, you, um, the diagnosis, mm -hmm. um, because we've seen that scene so many times. The you have cancer, whatever. And, you know, Mark and I were talking about like how do we make this interesting and entertaining but still real but like a little bit funny a little bit gallows but like not offensive and how do you do how do you do that scene that's been done so mm -hmm. many times and then we kind of I mean you guys saw it so like I think I think it works we kind of figured out something that was just kind of in the middle I talked to some doctors to just kind of like figure out like how much can we <laughs> do? Like, what, what would you, you know, where's, where's, where's the, the reality? Versus where's the reality and what you are going to be willing to say, what you're reluctant to say, whatever. And like, if, if you, ins if someone insisted, you know, like how much give is there there? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then the other thing, I mean, Mark is a very, very funny man and he's wonderful in, in every way, but as funny, and I worked with him on the league, he's, he's, very very funny but like there were still there were times when we'd be writing something and then we were both trying to come up with a joke and there were a few times where it was like 
what are we doing? Like, Ray's, like, in three seconds, Ray is going to bring something hilarious and way more Ray than either of us can ever do. Mm-hmm. So there was, it was great, like, every now and then, like, just scribbling, like, insert Ray joke here and just <laughs> leaving, which is, like, you know, I guess it's lazy filmmaking. You just go, I cast a really funny guy. Like, let him do the funny. That's, yeah, but, that's not lazy. That is resourceful <laughs> is what that is. Yeah. Yeah, but, the, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, put the, put the camera on the funny guys and let them roll, right? Why... Why, that's why they're get there. in the way? Yeah, yeah. that's why they're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so I don't, I don't want to leave without talking about the kung fu movies. Sweet. Um, and how these two men can bond over this one entertainment. Where, like, where did, where did the kung fu idea come in, and then the way you use those clips to thought, track the narrative? Well, I wanted, I yeah, I, you know, in in. Um, uh, Kill Bill was like the yeah. five steps. And, yeah, yeah. and I was always like, well, what if he didn't? What if he didn't take those steps? Like, what would happen? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe if he had a buddy, he could just carry him around on his shoulders, and he'd never have to die. So there's like a movie, it's just a dumb movie I wanted to make for a yeah, while. Yeah, but it's like a beautiful metaphor. And then, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, it just it hit me one day, and I was like, oh my god, that, that's the not letting go of like the inevitable death thing. It's like we got to put it in here. It's like their favorite movie now. So that was really fun, um, and got to make a kung fu movie, yeah. which is great. And when Ray Romano jiggled the barrel, I was like, my heart was like so full <laughs> in that moment. When his just, face pops up, yeah, it's, it's, it's so a, cute. Yeah. One of the best moments I've seen in a movie in a long time. Oh my gosh! So yeah. I don't know. Th- thank you, Alex. I really it's appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. it. All right, yeah. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. You too. That one's yours. Thank you. And we're back in the door cave. That was a wonderful conversation. Wasn't it, though? Yeah, and Lisa, you did spoil that moment where Ray Romano pops his head over the barrel. Yeah, but you're not really going to understand the context unless you've seen the movie. So I feel like that's not a total spoiler. And Lisa's not lying in that conversation when she talks about how emotionally affected she was at that moment. As we said earlier in the episode, Lisa's crying the whole time. But when Ray Romano's head popped up like a little groundhog, Lisa erupted in tears. Yes. <laughs> it was just such a, like a, a yes and to life. You uh-huh, know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like just live your life. Be a weirdo. Be who you want to be. Just support your friends being weirdos. For sure. I just love it so yeah. much. And, and one of my favorite things to see a filmmaker do is tackle a genre within their film, you know, or a movie within a movie like the Kung Fu sequence that he had to recreate for Paddleton. I recently just watched uh, Explorers, the Joe Dante, Ethan Hawke kids adventure movie. And within that film, there is a drive-in that the characters go to and they're watching this War of the Worlds sci-fi film. And Joe Dante gets to recreate this really cheap, cheesy, Ed Wood style flying saucer movie and Robert Picardo's playing star killer, the hero of that film within a film. You can hardly see the strings. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I don't know. I think that's just a, 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 a style of filmmaking or no. It's like an ode. It's like an ode to the art form that it's... Well, it allows the filmmaker to really wave their geek flag high. Yeah. And I love seeing uh, a fellow fan express it in cinema. And I like the fact that since this is a independent film, a smaller budget film, like it's cheaper to make up your own platonic ideal of a kung fu movie than it would be to actually get the rights to a real. I I like that too um, when 
in independent films, you get really interesting music compositions because they want to reference a piece of pop culture that exists, but they don't want to pay for the rights. So they write, so they get a composer to compose something like adjacent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wish I could think of a specific example. Oh yeah. Like, like in the endless where they're like rip off hotel, California. Sure. Right. You don't, you can't afford the Eagles. So you make your own Eagles. So you, you make a song that puts the Eagles in our heads. It's genius. Yeah. Uh, okay, so next on the episode, we are going to have Mark Duplass and Ray Romano, as promised, together on the phone chatting with us. Uh, you know, again, the quality of audio, it's a little wonky. Because it's, it's a phone interview. It's Skype, so it's a little tricky. Uh, but I think, again, you'll, you'll get used to it. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Stop being defensive, Brad. <laughs> we got them on the episode. That's all that's important. That's right. What's great is that we have the opportunity to follow up on some of the conversation that we had with Alex Lehman with his two actors. So we get to talk about Ray Romano's background that he constructed for this film. We get to talk about what it's like as an actor to be a part of this improv process. Well, with this improv process, using an outline, the making of the film is such a communal effort. Mm. Like we... We have interviewed a lot of writer-directors on the In the Mouth of Darkness podcast. And humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> but something like Karin Kusama's The Invitation, she has chosen every shot. She has chosen every word that everybody is articulating, where with Paddleton, the script is just this fluid thing where everybody just brings their full self to the fore, and they make something that is... Not any one person's, but is truly their theirs. Right. And as they'll talk about in this conversation, they're less concerned about where the camera is going to be and more about capturing the purest form of that moment narratively. Yes. Okay. So without further ado, uh, Mark Duplass and Ray Romano, take it away, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, we got <laughs> we saw the film at Sundance and fell madly in love. We were both uh, in tears at the end of the film, just gushing. I just found it such a beautiful ode to platonic love and how all kinds of love can be true and complete love. And I just thought that that was just so wonderful. Well, thank you very much. We're our ideal audience. Where did you see it? What showing did you go to? Oh, uh, we, we, we actually caught it at a P&I screening. Oh, nice, nice. Which is great that you liked it, because that's the worst possible environment to watch. <laughs> <laughs> great. That is true. Uh, so I guess where I wanted to start is, you know, we talked to Alex, and he was saying how after Blue Jay... Uh, he, he, you know, he, he didn't want to tackle death or he'd just come out of a movie and he saw a bunch of gratuitous death. And Mark, you said, well, because you don't want to deal with death, you've got to deal with death in, for the next movie. Why were you yeah, pushing I, him there? I, I think I said that as a joke, but I think he was really into it. So we just went with it. Um, and I think for us, the key to this movie was doing something that was in a similar form to Blue Jay, that was sort of a deep dive, two-hander, personal relationship story, um, but kind of taking it to a different level and exploring something a little bit deeper. So to Alex's point, that was something that was a little scary for him, and I thought it would be interesting for all of us to kind of go into that. Um, but, you know, the, the, the core of the movie for me at the end of the day is really 
you know, it's really about um, what it means to have a truly intimate platonic male relationship. Because I just don't really see those on on screen that much. You know, there are there are sort of jokey bromances and things like that. But um, something that represents kind of the relationship that I have with my brother and my male friends, I haven't really seen it on screen. So that was a really uh, a, a big goal of ours. For the more medical side of the story. What kind of research did you do, or did you have any kind of source material you were pulling from? Yeah, I mean, Alex did a bunch of that stuff, but, um, you know, I also helped a little bit with it. And it was really, for us, more about getting the facts down of, of how this was done as opposed to why it was done. Because, you know, needless to say, first and foremost, this is really a movie about about the friendship first. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure we understood what it did and how it worked. Um, and that's really, you know, um, that was really the focus so that it could support the friendship storyline. And Ray, uh, Alex was telling us that you came up with a pretty extensive backstory for your character. Uh, you know, wh why was that necessary for you uh, going into this film? I just find it helps. I I started doing that, um, I don't know, about five or six years ago on any project. I heard Denzel Washington say it, so I, <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> if I can be like him, um, you know, he, he was actually giving that advice to young actors. He was saying, always write a backstory. And I tried it the first time, and I... And, and um, another director once told me, yes, write a backstory, read it, and then forget about it. Just put it away and forget about it. And But this guy was especially, you know, I thought it was a, a, a little important to know how he got to where he was and and what made him tick a little bit and, and you know, how lucky he was to have found the one guy that he can relate to. Um so, yeah, I did it. I showed it to Mark, and Mark said, whatever you need, just... <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, that could have been dangerous. What if What if Mark was like, no, this is not Andy? Well, no, I, that's why I show it. I show mm -hmm. it to the director every time, you know. Uh, uh, I say, hey, this is just for me. For me, if you think it's contradicting something you think about... Uh, what, what's going on? Let me know. You know, yeah, I know. I want to know that, but uh, seems to fit, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. also, this was a different process in that there wasn't a script already written. We were creating and building the story and the characters together. So it sort of wasn't a question of is it Andy or not. It's a question of do we want this to be Andy, and it became Andy. So. Ray, this is your first time doing like a treatment style film. How was that for you? Just being improving based on your treatment and based on the moment. Yeah, it was a little, a little nerve wracking. Um, um, I remember talking with Mark and Alex about it, and they they told me how uh, Sarah Paulson uh, felt uh, in the movie Blue Jay, which they did right before this, because it was the same process. And she'd get a little nervous and scared right before a couple yeah. scenes, right? Yeah. Um, I wasn't as worried about the, the, the comedy part of it, uh, you know, where we knew we wanted to keep things light. Uh, I was more worried about the dramatic part. Uh, how was that going to go? You know, I've never improv. I've, I've done a lot of 
I, I say a lot of improv. I've done I've done improv where I, on a scripted piece you add a line here, you, you change a line here, um, but never in the in the dramatic scenes. So that seemed to be uh, a little tricky for me at first, but it ended up it ended up being perfect because uh, the improving I thought is what made me feel so close to this character because you were creating his his reality his words for 20 days in a row uh so uh, I, I just felt very like embodied within this guy and so the dramatic scenes were easy to get to initial trepidation aside like at the end of creating this character and and making this movie did you find that the improv style related closer to your work doing stand-up because stand-up is you know you you're writing but you're also improving and you're and you're relating to a backstory and the backstory is your your backstory and how how much of yourself you want to share did so did you did you feel a lot of cross-pollination in that creative process i mean just my style is very conversational um it may seem like i'm improving uh, up on stage, but in that sense, it's the same because that's what that's what you want the movie to feel like, like 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 we're just speaking extemporaneously. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's how I try to make it look on stage in stand up. Um, but it's all written. The stand up, the stand up is is word for word the same night after night. Yes, I do, I do change a few things here or there, but it's. Um, I'm not just winging it up there, um, but but making it seem natural uh, is kind of uh, uh, important in my stand-up, and it's a good it's a good thing to be able to do, especially in this movie. You know, you know the, this film like it lives or dies on whether or not the audience uh, buys into this relationship. I mean, how did the two of you? Uh, find how did your two characters find each other? Like, how did you work them out as a pair? Where did you build your chemistry from? Yeah, I mean, Ray and I didn't know each other before we got involved in this movie. We were sort of mutual fans of each other, and so part of the way you build that chemistry is is through meeting up before we shoot, discussing the backstory, getting to know each other. Another part of it is that we try to shoot the movie as much as possible in the chronological order of the film so that you yourselves are going through the same journey that the characters are going on. But I think by and large, the major factor is that we improvise so that there is a an element of surprise for us every time we're, we're acting. The, the laughs seem a little more genuine and fumbling with the words are a little more genuine because they're because they're real and um while improvising can be a scary process and you can certainly fall on your face if the scene's not working when you get it right i think it's a natural chemistry generator mm. alex was also talking about how because of the way you shoot it um you're able to you have a few more passes uh, than your average uh, movie production. Yeah, we uh, we do a lot more takes than the average uh, shoot does. You know, I'd say when you're on a movie, I don't know if you would agree with this, Ray, but I feel like you spend, you know, 
80% of your time waiting around and maybe 20% of your time acting. And on this set, it was almost reversed. Mm. You know, we have very little time in between. And then when we get up, we're doing six, seven, eight, nine, ten takes, mm. two cameras, one on each of us the whole time to try and get it right. Because, you know, we didn't have car crashes to offer in this. All we had to offer uh, was the relationship. So we had to spend all our time trying to get that right. Yeah, there's going to be a, a lot of DVD extras on this. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll yeah. all be terrible. And you'll say, thank yeah. God they cut this out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that brings up an interesting question, though, because I, I guess a lot of this falls on Alex. But how do you know as an actor when that's the cut you want or that's the scene you want in this style? Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like you're swimming in the sea of infinite possibility, and it can be confusing at times. But more often than not, Everyone on set feels it when it clicks in, from the actors to the directors down to the boom operator. When the chemistry's clicking, you kind of know. Um, and, of course, editing is where the movie really comes together. That's almost the last part of the writing process is in the editing room when you have all these options. Um, and that's good because it allows us the ability to show the movie to people and say, is this working? Is this not working? And, and change it. And, you know, we had it for quite a while to get this movie to the place where we want it to be. So part of this movie is part road movie, and but they really only interact closely with, with like, two other characters, um, the pharmacist and the hotel lady. Did, was there any time where you wanted to open up this world more and we could see this couple through more characters' eyes or close it down where it really was just a two-man movie? Yeah, I think for us, we really felt like we were opening it up with those other two characters. <laughs> we really like, we wanted to, to just show these two guys, and it was nice to have uh, a couple of other lenses in, but uh, there was never a point where we thought we would go wider than what it was. If anything, we thought we might just keep it smaller. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, I'm sorry to interrupt. We just have one more question. All right, so I want to go out on the kung fu uh, aspect. This idea of bonding over a shared uh, love of kung fu movies. Like, where, where did that come from? And then, can you just talk a little bit about that scene where you karaoke the, the, the death punch? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we started creating Michael and Andy, we knew that their interests were very specific and that they didn't have a lot of chance at getting friends in the world. Um, and so we wanted to build things for them that felt very small and very strange, and that included, you know, made-up racquetball games and strange um, uh, sort of niche kung fu movies and bad frozen pizzas. Um, and so, you know, for us, it was really just a question of what are the interests we can give these guys that will make you feel as an audience member, holy shit, I hope nothing bad happens to one of them because this may be their last chance at getting a good friend. Mm. Well, when Ray, um, when Andy shook the barrel, like my heart skipped a beat. It was like such a beautiful moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much, Mark, Ray. We really appreciate it. Like we said, we loved the film, and we thank you for stopping by and chatting with us. Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. <laughs> there you have it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I cannot.
not shut up about that flipping peril. <laughs> I know you can't. But like, I think what's obvious in these conversations is that we cannot hold back our love for Paddleton. We are gushing all over these guys. <laughs> just, just take our love. Accept our love, Ray and Mark. Please, please make us your friends. Yeah, I mean, there's no defense of it. You're just <laughs> We love the movie and we can't control it. And we know that you guys, once you see Paddleton, if you have not already seen Paddleton, you'll really enjoy it as well. Absolutely. If you want to continue this Paddleton love fest even further, you can go over to Film School Rejects where there is a transcript of this conversation as well as a few thoughts that I put together about the film. And Lisa, uh, I think you've got some uh, Paddleton love out there on the internet as well. Absolutely. You can read my gushing, sycophantic (laughs) review of Paddleton written before we knew these interviews were happening. So... So I already established that I love the movie. Um, <laughs> yes, so you can uh, find that on aftermoviediner.com. And I hear through the grapevine that Netflix is using uh, some of your review in their advertisement. Yes, I did get a request from Frank PR um, asking for a cl- quote clearance so that they can use my quote, one of the quotes from my article, <laughs> In some kind of uh, promotional materials so cool. for Paddleton, amazing. But I can't imagine what it what it would be because the they asked me like the day before the movie came out. Right, the, the trailer is yeah. already out. Mm-hmm. So um, if you see my quote anywhere with my name, can you please at me, bro? Because <laughs> I would. Lo- I mean, I'm thrilled just to be asked. Yeah, yeah. And I've been continuously high fiving myself ever since I got that email. It's cool, Lisa. It's I'm, super cool. I'm a little jealous. I'm oh, a little man. jealous. But like, I don't know where where it could be. So okay. if you see it, <laughs> let me know. So uh, the ItMod Chatcast is now on iTunes. You can download and subscribe us there. You can also leave us a five-star review. Oh, man, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, we could use the love. We want to, you know, we're we're in launching ItMod Chatcast into its own feed. It's like starting over all over again. So please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review us. Tell us how awesome we are. We need those words of affirmation. Yeah, we do. And you can join us back here next week where we'll have uh, writer-director Dan Gilroy chatting up about his new film, Velvet Buzzsaw. And we'll also have a few mini snippets from our time on the red carpet at Sandance. And we'll hear from Renee Russo and a few of the other actors as well. Not Jake Gyllenhaal. Not Jake Gyllenhaal. We got cut off from Jake Gyllenhaal. We got to look at the very handsome profile of Jake Gyllenhaal from afar before they cut the interview. I almost reached out and grabbed him. I was like, I'm going to get you, Gyllenhaal. Oh, my goodness. But then I'd be in jail, not chatting to you today. It's good that you're not in jail. Yeah, I think so. All right, guys, until next time, take care. Goodbye. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? The end. (laughs) 